Hello, and welcome to Industry Tactics. I'm Friendly Rich. And boys and girls, on today's episode, a wizard. He's got a big bard and a big heart, and he opens it up to all of us. He talks about Rush. He talks about the real statics. He talks about playing in Mingus, Mingus cover bands. Oh, he's a drummer. He's an extraordinary drummer. Uh, he leads the Woodshed Orchestra, and he's full of love. He is, ladies and gentlemen, a wizard. He is Dave Clark. Enjoy. saying rich i think you got it wrong man the drummer max roach no longer all right all right there's a new drummer called max roach in town that's right that's amazing that fascinating yeah i thought you were having one no no <laughs> <laughs> what the heck okay the guy likes to play jokes <laughs> oh yeah again, man. every now and again every now and again oh do you have a pair of headphones or i have one that you can have. I didn't say anything. I didn't say to bring any. Right. Are we just talking face to face with a face yeah, to face? You don't need them if you don't want them. Nah, I don't need them. He's not even going to use them. Yeah, that's fine. He's a rebel. <laughs> that's me. Oh, that sounds uh, great. I'm a new. Let me see. You're a you're a new world man. Oh, that's great. That's coming right through, eh? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm surprised somebody hasn't uh, sampled that and used it He's for just the intro. Like, it's like a CBC theme song. Or, or yeah, you, yeah, somebody chop it up and put it into it and change the tempo and put it into a funk. Yeah. How about this? I'm going to do Bend of a Carol. Okay. Wow. Um, I just want to uh, you pull yourself closer there. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Just, oh, pull it right in. Yeah, uh, it to. sounds like it's distorting, but it could be my R. No, it's I fine. think it's we're fine. very close, but... Okay, okay. All right. Dave, I'm not checking texts. I've written some questions just, oh, yeah, to, you just do. As, as a guide, okay? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a nerd to that shit anyways now. Kind of like when you go to a restaurant now and they take your order and you think sh she or he is checking his texts, but no. they're really taking your order. Which is amazing. Or, yeah... Or checking their texts. <laughs> or taking a picture of you to check if you're Oh criminal. my gosh, yes, yes. To scan your uh, retina. Yeah. It is the guy. It's all coming. Like all the face recognition everything. You know, it'd be nice with the scanning of the retina or whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's a done deal. They got enough of us. Like, yeah. Guy was in the bank last week yelling at the teller. And the teller, man, she, I know this woman. She's super yeah. nice. She put the cold on this guy like you wouldn't believe. And he told her, I left my, I lost my wallet just now on the streetcar. And I'm thinking, like, I don't know about you. It's yeah. over there. Yeah. It's here. Yeah. In the bag or in the pocket. Right. And, uh, you're not going to lose your wallet in the streetcar. Right. He had a check. Right. And uh, he was clearly a slightly unhinged. And uh, huh. she said, I'm going to go talk to the manager. And I know where the manager's office is. The manager's office is over there. 
She just goes sits sits downstairs for a while. And they look through the cameras and they probably talk to like central scrutinizer and mm -hmm. say like, is it worth any like bad shit happening here? Or should we give this guy his $45 and take a dig of the hit because we made $13 billion last year and just get yeah. rid of him? So yeah. they, they gave him the 40 bucks or whatever out the door. Wow. Wow. It was ugly, but real. Cost of uh, Were you behind? Safety. Were you behind him in line? Oh, yeah. That's the worst because you're like, I just need to get my stuff done. Oh, I wasn't even, I just need to get my <laughs> stuff done. I wanted to grab him by, by the end of his penis and go, Meep. hey, listen, be polite. <laughs> that one was nice. Great yeah. idea though, grabbing it, grabbing him by the end of his penis. That'll wake you up. Yeah, that'll wake you up. But I would. Then you. I do it with a glove. Yes, thank you. I'm and then, and then, like, I know. It's safe, oh. safe gripping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not. When you're dealing with a jerk, and you're gonna. <laughs> I don't even want to go from there. No, there's not enough of that though. If I'm being a jerk in line. Meh. Oh my goodness, this guy's grabbing the end of my penis. Jesus, okay, fine. It was, I'll be nicer. It was a social norm. Right. It's like something you, like, it's like a, it's from Inuit society. Where'd you learn that? Hey, man, I fucking got that in Pavumnatuck. Man. Are you really? Are you the serious? Inuit society. Unbelievable. Like, like your grandfather comes to you, like, hey. Just to grab. Easy now. Yeah. <laughs> a quick grab. Cool, like grandma's dealing with the blubber. <laughs> How about, like, hey, like, it's like you're the rich. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Easy I'll play now. nice. I'll play nice. Exactly. Easy now. You know, I should be redisciplined the check now. with that entire thing in mind. Yeah, Every yeah. time I'll be bad. Remember a teacher at school grabbed you? Yeah. Right? They, they, they wouldn't even think of doing that now, but I'm like, oh, no. Wee. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Right. <laughs> Them's were the days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I miss those days. I, was, penis I, grab, I wasn't yeah. around for those. I had yeah. a teacher. I like we had teachers who like hold you up against the fucking wall by your neck if you did. If you like, I'd see yeah. it. It's like not me, but I've seen other people. Like Dave, I still remember Dave Rowe. Jesus Christ. Stuck a catheter up my fucking cock. I'm getting one of those horrible. And then like, what the fuck are you doing? Up against the blinds on the window, it's like you smarting the buck up. And was that high school? Goes, yeah, and everybody goes, "Yeah, Dave, you got it right." That guy's mouthing Jesus. off, and everybody loved Dave. And he was yeah. like, actually, you shouldn't be violent with anybody, but right, he was really delivering some knowledge to some people who actually needed it, and they actually respected him. And I'm not saying wow. I'm not for violence. Yeah, where where was this? At Martin Grove Collegiate Institute at uh, Eglinton and Martin Grove Road, right by the 427, Whoa. which used to be a really uh, kind of like like it's, oh, yeah. it bordered on it was a really interesting area like. Is that Rexdale? No, that Tobacco. No, Tobacco, okay. And it's like kind of middle income earners. Mm -hmm. High end, like new rich Canadians. Mm -hmm. uh, Ontario housing and apartments. Okay. And then and then beyond that, a lot of new Canadians. And then again, kind of is like middle class, new rich Canadians. Mm. A couple, like a block up, Stephen Harper. Mm. Come on. Yeah, he went to Richview Collegiate, which is a super conservative bastion of conservatism. And then now in my neighborhood, people are getting shot. My old neighborhood, people are getting shot and stuff. And it's, and it's really different. Amazing how it goes, eh? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, guns, yeah. crime, desperation. Yeah. And it was enough of my biz. So what do you mean? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Dave Clark. All right. We're talking. We're talking with Dave Clark. We're chitty chatting kitty cats. Yeah. We're going to talk for about an hour. It's going to be fantastic. I was telling Andrew, Good. we're not even going to, it's going to seem like, the hour flew by, and we're just getting started. <laughs> yeah, and man, the feathers dinner. will be just drifting in the air behind us, and yeah. then, you know, it's like off out of the nest. Oh, my. Yeah. And what were they doing? Get lots of, <laughs> lots of good stories. Lots of good stories. Mm -hmm. And now, if I might set it up. 
Set it up. I'll set it up. I've known Dave for uh, many years. I'm going to say seven. <laughs> right? Just because who's counting? I don't know. I don't know. Seven's really... my favorite number. So. Sure, we'll give it seven. Could be double that. I don't Could know. be double that. And uh, you are uh, as prolific as they come. And when I think of how I would like to age as a musician, I used to say Geddy Lee, Alex Lifeson, Neil Peart, Rush. Mighty Triumvirate. Right? Now I say Dave Clark. Wow. You, you've outdone them. Oh, my God. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a tall odor. Look how quick he drank that water. Yeah, the, I feel bad. That's the only water that you're going to be getting. I'm gonna, <laughs> then I'm going to parse this with the rest of this one up because okay, okay. I'm on the back nine now. So like, no, I can get you more water. You just, just raise it and go. Thanks, man. I'll I'll, uh, I'll uh, give you the, the high sign. First, he's going to subdivide that little millimeter. That's right. right. And I'm going to put it into 7.4 and we'll be okay. Yeah. But uh, this is a podcast about wizards. Okay. And you are uh, you are also that, right? Okay. And you're blooming. You're Thanks. A bloom, you're a blooming onion. I feel like my, my skins are coming around. Yeah, you are uh, uh, developing, though, as quite the... Uh, I mean, it's crazy. To, I don't know what the hell's been going on the last... Uh, what three four yar? Mm. You have definitely r- turned it into overdrive in terms of what I don't know. I've just noticed like sure. you've got a book full of songs, and mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the Woodshed Orchestra, the best band in the city of Toronto, nah. you should see the Woodshed Orchestra. Please, and many many a time, but uh, two hundred songs plus. How many songs right now in that book? Now we got two hundred. Oh, we're up two hundred six. God damn. 201, that's Friendly Rich. Wow. He wrote a song. He wrote a song about me. I, I, I almost cried first night I heard it in Oakville. That's that's nice. That, yeah, very tough. We're going to insert that right here. Okay, okay. <laughs> right, we should do that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Here it is, number 201, the song Dave wrote. Oh, is it recorded? Not yet. Well, I've got a demo of it. You know, I'm sitting at home going clankity donkle. <laughs> But, you know, it's like... Uh, What's it yeah. called? It's called Friendly Rich. Nice. Number 201 out of the book. Anyway, it might not get inserted here right away, but... Yeah. Uh, I'll sing you a line from it later on. six tunes talk to us about the book well the book started because uh uh i was playing in a band called the well it was one of my uh, my bands called the mountainside 
band. And the Mountainside Band was me, Richard Gregory, Blake Howard, yeah. one of my favorite drummers in, in the world. And then an, and a, and a cattle call of great bass players, uh, starting with Alphonse Fieri, who was a trumpet player. And Alphonse okay. is out west now. Alphonse is an amazing musician. Anyways, we started that band because I was in another band with my friend Richard. And we had a lot of songs in that band. We had like 76 songs in this band called Possum. And then I started writing a song or two. And then in the band, it just, all of a sudden, everybody started writing. And the guy who was leading the band, who's a phenomenal musician, a great guy, he just started to feel like he was getting squeezed out. And then one day I realized, man, I'm getting, uh, it's either I make my own band or I'm getting the, I'm getting the golden horseshoe up the butt. So uh, I indeed get a, got a, 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 a gentle Kodiak in the arse. And Richard, my friend in the band, said, well, let's just start our own band. Okay. And you can sing the leads and play guitar. And I never play guitar live in my life. I could barely hold a chord. And uh, he believed in me, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. So uh-huh. we got somebody else to go on the drums. And it was funny. Because you know when you play live, when you're, you're drummed all your life, you can move your legs differently. And you don't have to be responsible for anything. No pedals. It's right. just unless you're hitting fancy pedals. And I wasn't. I just plugged in the amp and go, 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 Jackie. And it was really cool. I liked that. And then that band kind of when it when it's way and uh we still love each other uh-huh. and intend to get together for the great jam session in the sky or just some drinking and um i want i had written this these songs and i wanted to uh, i wanted to play them and i had this vision i thought i've been working with this band called runcible spoon the odd time i'd, ri- I'd written a song for them yeah and that was at the time uh i think lena was in the band lena alamano uh, mm-hmm. uh tanya gill Monica Federigo, Pam Becker, Julia Hamilton. Uh, I think that that covers it. Oh, and Lee Estate on vocals. And I wrote a song for them, and they recorded it. And I was like, wow. Wow. I can do more of that. Okay. And then I had this idea. I'd like to have a, like a Philly soul band, like a band that played groovy music yeah. with a string section and horns. Yeah. And, yeah. and I thought, where can I get these people? Well, and, I, and I already had the Woodchoppers Association running for a long time, the free improv crew that have run for years. And, and so I just cherry-picked people, I thought, who loved to eat great food, would be easy to travel with, and open-minded. And, from, and those people who played in Runcible Spoon, almost all of them played in the Woodchoppers. And so the first part of that band was that. And I, and I wrote 20 songs, and we went out and played our first gig in 2005. 2005. Yeah, and then... uh, As the Woodshed Orchestra. As the Woodshed Orchestra, and I played guitar, and Blake played drums in that. Really? Yeah, yeah, Blake was a drummer for for like a chunk, and then... um, That's amazing. Yeah, he was a drummer until he didn't show up for a a festival gig where we were getting paid some good change, and I decided to... Maybe I'd just be Levon Helm and play the drums and sing. Hence the Bloomin' Onion, though. That's what you've been doing, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I treat it like a... I just thought, well... I'll just tune into the cosmic radio when it calls yeah. and uh, pay attention. I like that Neil Young thing. He said, just pay attention, man. So I thought, I'm going to pay attention. Neil Young says, pay attention. It worked for him. Yeah. You know, he's no Shostakovich, and, and yeah. he can write a tune. So yeah. I thought, I'm going to do that, too. Oh, my and, God. Uh, and then so every time I heard this, I would hear this voice. It was like, and literally the voice now would say, pay attention. It's okay. here. Pay attention. So if I had something in my head, and sometimes I had stuff, and sometimes I didn't. But I'd go down. Piano, guitar, whatever it is. Yeah. And pay attention. And it would show up. And I thought this, this it ended up being kind of like a, a journal or a diary. And I just thought, I'm just going to let whatever come out, come out. And I'm not going to. That's I'm a not... nice way to put it as a journal or a diary. Yeah. That's how it feels. Because the Friendly Rich tune, not to go back to that mm. for any reason other than, I 
think I know the day you wrote that. Like we had lunch at the paint box. You rode your bike home. You're just like, I got to write today. Bang. Yeah, it started. Is that how it goes? It started as soon as I got on my bike. Okay. And by the time I was home, it was done. And I just kind of went home, turned on the computer, plugged my ears so I don't hear the bong, because that can shift my key, Mm. my key center. Okay. And then I I plug my ears, uh, and I hum, uh, uh, and then I'd start, hit record, and i just sing the thing. Okay. And then I found the chords after and, 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 and set it to music and I wrote okay. it out. But yeah, I just, I just try to try to be friends with them. It's like, thanks for showing up, friend. I teach you every song. Treat every song like a friend. And sometimes you're going to visit that friend a lot. Sometimes that friend's going to come up and call you up and you never expect it. And, and you just like, you're just bubbling over. It's, and I, you know, that friend is really ebullient all of a sudden and fits, fits the visit. And it's like, well, thanks. Mm-hmm. And so I like to treat the songs like friends. And that way, they keep inviting more friends. And the next thing you know, you've got so many friends inviting that everybody wants to play. And, and, uh, and, they, make, and they make a nice community, of, uh, a nice family. When, That's when, the word, right? When you have a genesis, like a germ of a song, is mm-hmm. speed important in like getting that down, getting it out, and, and like getting it memorized in some way? I think the most important thing is, is for to begin with is, is to completely shut off the second guessing mind hmm. the second guessing and judging uh, of material like that sounds like max roach or that yeah, sounds yeah. like david yeah. bowie is the nad- or or i don't know and yeah. you start that's the nadir of creativity so the first thing i do is i say thanks thanks like it's somewhere in there there's a thanks and that's like and then this giggly feeling comes over me like when you're a kid and you know you're gonna get some candy it's like what Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah then I'm gonna mark it down whatever however it showed up say it's on the piano I've been noodling on the piano I gotta hit the record thing I don't worry about like how it's mic'd I don't I don't give a shit I, like I just I put on the most rudimentary program that just records from my laptop just go it does it just the crappy sound that gets distorted and then once that's down it's all, all of a sudden there's breathing space and it's like it's like it's been tape recorded into my mind mm. just because I know it's there and I save and then I start working on it from there. And sometimes the thing seems to show up in the big lump really quick. Other times it, it, it just wants a gentle back massage. And, and, and other times it wants to just say hi once in a while. And then go off and walk in the woods and then show up again. And, and, uh, and, and I know if I, if I pay attention to what that friend wants, it's going to come through. And in the meantime... There may be other friends who already visit, like, like, bing, 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 bing. And then the other buddy shows up. It's like, hey, mm. I'm right here. It's like, I'm done. So, yeah, there is an element of that. You have multiple on the, on the go, or do you finish yeah. one at a time? No, I got, all, I got them on the go all the time. I've yeah. got three yeah. stacks. Yeah, it's I awesome. Got, I got starters, like one, that, one that's, you know, uh, ideas. Okay. And it's just like I wrote ideas in marker. Ideas with red and and nice, actually looks nice, yeah. red, with highlighter, red and blue highlighters. So you, it's like okay, and I wrap, and those are on the left hand side. You write them out first, Dave. After you record it, you you manuscript it out. Or uh, yeah, you... some of them, some of them, I'll start codifying. Like uh, if there's, uh, if 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 it goes that way, I'll yeah. I'll write out some of the riffs into a uh, like a script paper, you know, on on a staff. Yeah. But, but most of the ideas when they first come out. It'll just be lyrics and chords, and I'll I'll just do a standard kind of charty chart, yeah. like you know, like A minor over yeah. the words or whatever. Yeah. Because if I've got the melody recorded, I can always pick that out later on and massage it kind of and shift it. So I got that pile starters. Then I got 
ones that I've I've maybe like got a complete chart. The melody's all done. I know the feel. I've got uh, I may have written out a accompanying. I might have might have written out the melody or an accompanying horn part mm-hmm. or some riffs, key riffs. And then there's an then and those ones are those ones are ready to be charted. And then the third pile is uh, needs to be fixed. And the needs to be fixed are like uh, maybe older ones okay. or newer older ones that I have never written a proper chart for. I don't mean to be proper, like perfectly publishable thing, but something where it, it, it would make it easy for somebody to sit in the band and, and oh yeah, I can jump in there. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, or, and, or there are newer ones. I've taken them out and I realize, oh fuck, I'm sorry. I shouldn't swear. I've, I've written the, uh, chord a chord symbol wrong or there's a melody that needs to shift or the roadmap's a little wonky yeah but i'm so excited to get them out i try to put them out because i want to play them oh well, yeah and uh that's a lot of talking yeah that, that's a no, process. It's good so there's those three piles you getting better as you go with all that like all, yeah oh that, definitely like, like the they're definitely getting um more more able to kind of uh particularly working with horns like working with mm-hmm. trombone trump trumpets saxophone and clarinet what the one thing that kind of made the most amount of sense i didn't know why i didn't do it years ago is i took a row of painter's tape and i ran it across the piano you know the right before the keys there's a flat mm-hmm. and then i wrote down all the ranges of all the instruments on it it's like looking at crazy racing strips and this is where you write for these instruments so they don't have to all of a sudden go from being up in an octave to mm-hmm. dropping down and sounding weird in your melody mm-hmm. to being in places that they like. And then I started reading a bit of arranging books recently that some people lend me. And then just kind of trusting, like, okay, things like to work in here. But also this is where I'm singing it. Maybe not everybody's going to play that part. Yeah. So some people may play a melody or a riff and other people may support it with different parts. And so, yeah, I guess like getting... Uh, Getting to the point quicker and also letting go like even quicker. Like it's like sometimes a chart means not needs nothing. It's got words. It's got some chords on it. It says circus. Go. Whatever. And, you know, you I've seen you live and this is what blows my mind is you, you that philosophy that you've got with um what you said earlier with don't let any kind of negatron get in there. Yeah. Oh my God! Seeing you live, like I'm, re- what really inspires me is just, you know what, guys, and I guess I was on the fence with this before. Is we've never rehearsed this because you always want to, you always want to give across, but you, you don't even, you don't, you don't need to. You're a wizard, so what you do is just, you know what, guys, we've never, the guys have never seen this chart before. Here it comes. Come in, uh, do the, and you just walk them through it, and it's like super fucking confident to the oh. point where. Yeah, oh, that's what you want to be doing. Well, that's what you want to be doing. I I have a uh, complete faith in the people that I play with in any combination uh, to come up with something soulful. I do not care about perfection. I've got no I've got no worries about that. You want to you want to polish, polish when you're in the studio, you know. But my my feeling is is these people are all adults who've worked a long time at what they do. And are joyous and and giving people their, their their generosity is goes beyond the call of duty, and yep. they're they're super courageous, adventurous souls. Also, they're busy, like getting a rehearsal with them cats. Mm-hmm. You try it. Yeah, right. It's not because they don't want to. It's because every one of them is trying to make a living in a city that's very expensive to live in, right and on. and and they've got a, everybody's got a life, right? And most of those people are band leaders. So 
we learn them on stage. That's why we're called the Woodshed Orchestra. We're going to ah, learn them in front of you. There you go. We are going to woodshed them in front of you. And somebody in that band is going to be able to pick out that melody. And a lot of times it's Julia Hamilton. Mm-hmm. She, she has a wicked eye mm-hmm. and, can, and can play it. And then other people are going to get it. And whether they get it in fragments or in whole, by the end of that tune, there's going to be a feeling. And, and there's no better way, I think, in inculcating a tune than having the adrenaline of playing it live mm-hmm. and breaking down the wall. It's like, if you break down the wall in front of people and you invite them into the process, they're going to be rooting for you, man. They're, they're with you. They want you to win. They, they don't care if you stagger to the... the, the they're, you know, they're going to grab your hand and pull you over the finish line. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like the forgiveness factor on what's going down has gone from like maybe <laughs> like, like 31.2% to 98 but the, you know the way you craft it, like you've got that color-coded system. So if you see Dave live, it'll be like the he's got all his tunes, all 206. It's almost like watching Dungeons and Dragons get played out in front of you or something. Mm. He's got them all color-coded. Yeah. This one's a circus. This one's a, I guess they're I don't know what. It's I've got three lists. Three lists. Yeah. And you're walking people through the experience, but I never feel, I feel as though, well, you, you know what you're doing in that sense in that you're, you're going to put a new one behind, like one that, like an old faithful, you know sure. what you're doing, that you're crafting the experience. Fucking three hours is a short set for the woodshed. <laughs> what, can you explain why such a, uh, why, well, why you play so long? What's the, sure. uh, the drive behind that? Because uh, Wayne Gretzky said, you're never going to know when you get on the ice again. Fuck could be the me. last game I ever play. Wayne Gretzky Fuck said me. a lot of very, very philosophical. What else stuff. did he say? Well, you miss you miss one hundred percent of shots you don't take. Yeah, exactly. You. He also said uh, it's not what I do when I have the puck; it's what I do when I don't have the puck. Yeah, like exactly. He's he's like Keith Richards, <laughs> man. Apply all that shit to music, man. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's like not that's... what you play; it's what you don't play, man. It's where the holes are. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's the, amazing, though. That's that's it, man. I don't like. I don't know what I'm gonna get to play again. And 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 to be quite honest, I don't like taking breaks. I I feel I go from being a very socially comfortable person before a gig, into a mindset where uh, I am now on a gig, and my mind goes into a fo- an OCD focus. Yeah. And it and yeah. I don't like being pulled out of it to listen to, to Tom Petty's greatest hits while people natter. And while I and and the other thing is is between sets that's when you lose your voice. Because you you narrow narrow focus your voice to talk over the music and all the sound and all the talking, and meanwhile you know you you've worked your voice. Yeah. You keep singing, man. You can sing all night long. Right. And the the, the other thing is with it is uh, like this long answer, is um, you'll learn the tunes more. And why yeah, not? Like, yeah. Yeah. Is are did you go to the gig to play for 45 minutes so you could go home and stare at a television? Right. Fuck that, man. I went to play. I come to play. When I go to somebody else's band and they want to play a half an hour set, take a break for 20 minutes, that's their call. Yeah. On yeah. my bandstand, nice, I'm going to nice. play this. And if people want to... And the other thing is, people in the band, they got to they gotta go to the john or want to get a drink or whatever and need to get off the stage and yeah. go clear their brain. They're yeah. welcome. I'm not afraid. Nobody in that band's afraid. Go ahead. It's not going to fall apart. Holy shit. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, right. you know, you, you're left there tapping your toes and whistling in the dark, so who cares? Do it! Do 
to know how this started. Like, how yeah, did... yeah, let's back You're up. You're clearly a wizard, but what is wizard school like? Yeah, man. Oh man, that, man. Like, did you fall into like the between the cracks of a of a of a of a sidewalk? Come out three years later, fully trained. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I just watch how my favorite bands do it. Yeah, you know, and uh, NRBQ is one of my all-time favorite bands. No set list. All right. No set Some, list. Somebody just play a riff. These guys have like 60,000 songs. I mean, I'm joking, but they had so many tunes. Somebody would play a riff or a, or a fill, and the band would kick in, and they just read the room. I've seen them play as a quartet. I've seen them play with the Sun Ra horns. I've seen them play with like all kinds of folks. Yeah. You know, they're the whole weed horns, their own horn players. People come out, and every place that I've ever seen them, you know, I've seen them in New York, I've seen them in Toronto, I've seen them outside of Toronto, and in Canada, I've seen them in, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. They just read the room. And you know you got it, and they believe in their tunes. And I thought I like that. That's what I want to do. And then I'd also, and so, I'd seen that the Terry, the keyboard player, had a massive list. Okay. okay. Just sitting on top of the piano. Sorry, what band is this? An uh, NRBQ. NRBQ. They're one of the greatest bands to ever live. They're uh, newer than blues quartet. Terry Adams, Joey Spampanato, Tom Ardolino, and Big Al Anderson, and a, and a myriad of other people. You look those guys up, man. You'll never turn around. Right on. Uh, and then I looked at like guys like Rush, who I love, who you know, yeah. they get out there and just crank it out for you. And then three yeah, hours plus, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, and yeah, then you know, yeah. all all the bands who who instead of um, I just lo- I just like the approach of giving it. And if you can and if you can do it, great. And it's not for every band. I'm totally happy to go see a band. They played a 45 minute set. It was killing great. That's all I need. Yeah. But I want to. This, this is my band. Yeah, amen. And I want to, I want to do that. And so what ended up happening is we just started playing longer because people kept dancing, and it's like, well, and then started opening the box on it. Well, you know, everybody in that band can play or sing, so people started singing and playing. And a friend of mine once a couple of years ago, we were on tour. I went out west, and he said, uh, "You know, Dave, uh, you know, there's uh, other people who can sing in the band. Man, you should get other people to sing in the band. It would cost some depth. You'll get more depth, dynamic depth." And yeah, shit, he was right. Fuck yeah. And and so. Uh, all of a sudden, the thing just kind of started taking this dimension and depth, and we just kept going. I can't remember when we first started playing along, but I, I, I just can't, to be honest. All I can say is that it seems to fit with us. Well, I really think um, the, 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 the energy around you and what you've created is genuine, and I think that people get that, and they want to be a part of it. They want to, So there's a sense of family around... And and that emanates from the stage, right? And all those little quirks and personalities. And and now Rebecca Hennessy's going to sing this beautiful Oof. song about Mary Margaret O'Hara that's going to make you cry. And then you, then we'll get back to dancing. You know, it, it's it's pretty intense, man. What you're able to do uh, with that, and I think that all comes from this vision that you've clearly thought of. You you said this is how I wanted to find music and community. Yeah, it's uh, for me. That's the biggest part. Actually, I was just walking with Rebecca. Because we were doing some recording today, and, and we were, I was just saying the most important part of this is community, extended family.
to all that we I, I grew up in a place where the door was always open and I could come home at any point in the day. You'd be there. You know, if, you're, if I was hanging out with you, my friend at that time, maybe you guys would be there having dinner with my folks. Mm. Sometimes the neighbor's dog would come in. It was really, you know, people, we had draft dodgers living at our house. Mm. The door was always open and we had he, uh, he, loads of cousins and, you know, mama grandparents and we got together and it was a family thing. And as mm-hmm. of course, you know, you get older, those people die and... Uh, Mm-hmm. But not that idea, and the idea of community and family and whatever family is to you, mm. and to me that's an, a family. That's part of my family and those people. I love each and every one of them, and uh, mm. and I have deep respect for them, and I and I just believe in them. When and when some people some folks got to go off for a while, if they come back, great. If they don't, I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. But we seem to stick around together, as mm-hmm. you well know from your own experiences. I like that feeling. And, yeah. and and it, it makes me uh, joyful and melancholy, kind of wistful because it feels so good. And uh, mm. I, lo- I love that. So, yeah, the it, it's important. That part's the most important, actually. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think that is, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, and it is that experience. It's pretty, we're pretty fortunate to be able to make, it's, all, it's better than religion, right? Because religion, you get together once a week and... Yeah. It's kind of well. Depend- I think for some people, it's de- pretty similar. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> de- de- depending on what the religion is, I guess. Yeah, right? sure. Because I've always wanted to join like a gospel choir. Yeah, or I'm young. I'll, I'll still get to it. You but, got your chance. But you know, um, if it's not, uh, I guess, collab- as collaborative an experience or mm-hmm. as as participatory as as what you you do in music, mm-hmm. you know. There, and there's so many fucking avenues, which is great, right? Yeah. Like, I mean. It, anyway. it, it's exciting. I think it's exciting to see anybody who wants to engage with people live and be positive. 
And, and I don't mean that you can't sing something that's like gut-wrenching and sad or, or paints a horrific picture. Whatever right. that is, a, a meaning positive that you want to make a connection with people. I don't want to play at people. I want to be with people so that the audience becomes a kind of a beating pulse and part of the me- the, the the body of the band. Mm. And uh, and I also don't want to underestimate people that I'm playing with and people that we're playing for in particular. I think one of the worst things a band can do is underestimate their audience. Mm-hmm. They dumb down and project on their audience. It's a fucking dumb idea. Give them everything you got. If they can't take it, they can leave. If they can take it, They'll be there, and they'll be with you for the, the long haul right yeah. to the finish line. Yeah. And they'll say, man, I had the greatest time. Thanks. And you'll say, I had the greatest time. Thank you. You know, Don't yeah. underestimate yeah. people. There are a lot of smart people in this world, and they just happen to be standing in front of you a lot of time when you're playing. And they've got soul, and, they, and they've got courage, and they're, they're in for the adventure. They don't, want, they don't want something they've already got. They want something you've got, and they want to be part of it. Man, and I think of um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, if you go on Dave's website, there's a a list of all the humans you've played with, and it's some of them, yeah. It's mental. It's over the top, right? It's like, uh, doesn't it just go on and on? hundred? Are we talking hundreds? Uh, thousands by thousands now. Thousands yeah, by yeah. now. But yeah. yeah, that's just a junior list. Like, uh, <laughs> I've I've kept a list of everybody that the Wood Choppers, the okay. improv band, has ever played with over twenty years. Okay. And that one is pretty massive, but so, yeah. yeah, the wood choppers is your improv. Band. Yeah, that's that. Then and then I cherry pick from the wood choppers to make the woodshed orchestra. So when you say improv band, what so, what do you like? No ideas, no. No, we just we get there and we say, "How do you do, Johnson?" And then then somebody rings the bell and then we start really? we start tickling. That's it. And and so that band you you almost use as a farm team for the woodshed. <laughs> yeah, and and then like that band. The cool thing about that is that band's been a farm team for a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people form bands out of that band because you get a chance to play with people you maybe not mm-hmm. have never had a chance to play with before. Okay, and then the woodshed has kind of been been like that for other people too. I I must I must point out I know we're in an interview and being focusing things. Yeah, the so. If, I'm talking too much. No, Let me know. no, Perfect. no. We're getting a good. This is the second one we've done, free, and uh, free it's, flowing. it's magical. It's magical. Yeah. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about? I don't. It's not even a question on my on my damn thing. Okay, yeah. Can you tell us a question? Uh, can you can you ask us a question? Yeah. Um, why so dry when it could be moist and smooth? So I wanted to know some of the other bands that you've played with as you were coming up. So you're 16. Were you playing music at 16? Yes. Were you playing music at eight? When, uh, when did you When did you start the adventure? I started playing drums. I begged my parents yeah. for a drum kit when I was a kid. Uh, my neighbor Alan Grant, who was probably a teenager, he had a Rogers drum set. I remember that. Okay. And he played with my neighbors down the street, and I wanted to. I wanted his drum set, and I used to phone him up, say, "Alan, can I have your drum set? <laughs> I'd like to buy your drum set." Because I didn't a, an amazing crank call. I, don't, I didn't know where I didn't. I'd never. It never dawned on me that like that. There's a store where you buy these, or okay. you know, I was living in the suburbs. It was yeah. like you know, it was like in the middle of the ozone. Give me and, your drums. And, and, I need your drums. And I, I would call him up regularly <laughs> as a little kid. I want yeah. your drums, and like, can I buy your drums? And and I and then I of course like 
begged my parents for years, begged them, begged them. And uh, wow. I grew up, I grew up in, with really nice people. And then one Christmas I went downstairs and there was this tiny cornet drum set. And I went, <laughs> I almost had a heart attack. And wow. uh, that was when I was 12. Wow. And then my mom signed me up for lessons with this cool guy who I, I actually mentored with, like in a true way. Like he showed me how to set up gear and tear it down. Yeah. Went on gigs. He played all this Greek Macedonian music with like wow. guys who played with Lou Reed and Rough Trade and all these people. And he's played with his uncle and his dad who were two Greek Macedonian guys. They looked like Barney and Fred. And they were like, people would come up and like slap them and stick them with money all over them and stuff it down their shirt and in their pockets and in their horns. And people would dance. I learned how to dance. I can still sing the tunes. That's a chamaco, friends. And then uh, my teacher would sit me beside him on a chair and say, this is what this is. We're playing in 7-8. Now we're playing in 9. And then like heavy players would come in. They wanted to play on the gig. They're getting paid to play on these gigs because yeah. then you just blow over these incredibly exciting tunes and everybody's dancing and good food. And so that's when I started playing. And at the same time, uh, I had played hockey since I was um, like four or five. Okay. My dad signed me up for recreational hockey and uh, my other siblings went to church and me and my dad went and played hockey. Nice. And uh, that good, was... Good that, trade-off. Oh, my dad was smart. You and, won. You uh, won. He, uh, he won too. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, he was thinking about that one. Anyways... One of my hockey mates, Graham Kirkland, calls me up and says, Dave, I know these guys. Do you want to... Because he was studying with my same teacher. We, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Okay. Graham Kirkland, Graham the drummer. Kirkland. Okay. And Graham, I'm indebted to Graham for this. He said, I got some friends. Maybe you want to trade jamming partners. And then while he was talking to me, bear in mind, I'm like 12 and a half or 13. It's okay. dinner time. I'm standing by the standing by my dad and my mom. The, the dinner's coming on the table. My dad's got a bat's 50. It's 530 in the afternoon. He said, you know... Um, you could like maybe you could trade some friends and I didn't know anybody I didn't know anything you know but he said got these guys and and all of a sudden Graham says hold on a second fuck off ma and then uh, and then he gets back on the phone and when he said fuck off ma I I started to break out in a sweat and prickly heat because uh, nobody swore in my house there was right. none of that okay anyways those guys that he turned me on ended up being my friends in the Reostatics and then we started playing clubs pretty much right away first song we played was Space Truck and I remember that and then we wrote everything and started playing clubs when I was like. 14 but before that my teacher uh-huh. started subbing me in as his teacher uh, teaching for him for his students and then sending he got me to get my union card and get a ja- suit jacket and started sending me to sub on jobbing gigs with like greek and italian bands and stuff Great. and i was like this little tiny putz my parents would drive into the gigs i didn't know how to take my drums down so they would we go my dad's truck his work truck and with the drums all set up, and he just kind of plunked oh, them down. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. a, such an amazing cheat. So you wouldn't actually dismantle the drums. You just I had them no as... idea how to dismantle them, let them, right. you know, and set them up. <laughs> and then my mom bought me a suit, and she bought me a nice black three-piece suit. And nice. it was made of worsted wool, and it was so itchy on the legs. I would I would almost cry while I was playing, but I, wouldn't, I never thought to say to my mom oh i don't like the pants because yeah. i was so grateful for her because i knew my my parents were unloaded for going out of the way with the pants and getting me a drum kit and that's lessons. so awesome here it was it was so nice and uh anyways that's when i started playing and then with the reostatics we started playing out in the new wave and punk scene and, uh-huh. and the f- first bunch of first gig we played was uh tried the 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 edge which was a total punk rock new wave club where like people like nina hagen played and all mm. kinds of really interesting folks and it just went from there and the guy davidini who a lot of folks know from cbc radio and from his own kind of shit that he's done dave was fearless yeah and he just booked gigs and then throughout the years we just went and traveled the world and played and wow. that was with the real stacks and the, but at the time in my teens i was playing with tons of bands i was playing in a big band 
playing in like a Mingus band. And really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was playing in a big band in, in Chingakuzi. Chingakuzi? I played in the Chingakuzi big band and the orchestra. That's Brampton. Yeah, man. That's, that's my stomping Every, every weekend. My teacher took me out when I was a little kid. And, Whoa. And I would play in the junior big band. With they like, had a, a bit of a reputation. Remember, eh? do, yeah, yeah, they were great. Do you remember a guy named uh, uh, Merlin? He was a sax player. And no, I, I never went there, but it's all, in my It was all, all the kids world. out there. And yeah. then, you know, I'd be reading these four-page charts with them and wow. trying to play. And uh, that it was... Uh, Merlin, of course you know a guy yeah, named Merlin. Merlin. Yeah, and, yeah. and then, you know, doing that at the same time, I was playing in original bands and okay. uh, and lots of people. And I just... And then jobbing gigs. Yeah. And then... Uh, it wow. just kind of went from there. Sorry, I played a lot of bands all the way through. Wow, you have. Tons. Like, it had just kind of bloomed out from there, high school bands. And then sometimes people would call me to play on their gigs or whatever. It was great. And then, yeah, whoa, boy. So but always, like, always yeah, community. Sure. Always community-oriented music making. Yeah, I mean, when I, I, I stopped playing jobbing gigs uh, in, the, in my early teens because... I would go out, and to be quite frank, I play with a lot of a lot of great musicians who are older than me. Clearly, they were older than me. I was a little kid. These guys would be in there, like, yeah, you know, from their mid twenties up until their, you know, their their sixties or whatever. And I found that the guys, particularly who were from the jazz scene, mm -hmm. were an incredible downer. They yeah, would, they yeah, would yeah. they would turn to me and say, "Kid, you know, you should uh, learn to become an electrician, and you know, don't don't depend on this music thing." And they were down, and they were laying there projecting their bullshit on me. And the more they projected on me, the more I just kind of saw, like, a, you know, I just kind of, I just kind of was, saw myself fading and those people going in the distance because I realized that they were defeated and, and I, and I wasn't going to let me, myself be defeated by them. So I got out of the jazz scene and I'd been, did, I played yeah. with some pretty interesting people. I was very lucky and I'm not trying to sound cocky. Yeah. I got to play with some really heavy musicians at a young age and the ones who were encouraging, I'm indebted to. The ones who were discouraging, I feel sorry for. But I also am indebted to them because they brought me, something, brought me right? on. Yeah. And then so I went and played mostly original music and studied with some really interesting people. And uh, feel very super lucky for everybody I've got a chance to play with. Whether the experience was soul-crushing or, or uplifting through the skies. Hmm. Everything. And it's kind of like, I mean, you know, I guess the, it's more of a standard thing. Something like playing in the real static. I hate to say that. Cause yeah. it's, I mean... It, but what you're doing with, with your own, like this thing that's bloomed, like the influence of New Orleans music uh, a lot sure. is, in, is yeah. in, is, and you know, and just this sense of family and the, the, uh, the list and the whole, like you got an, I don't know, it's just so much more than, like, like to put out a record for you is almost um, an insult to what you do because you got 206 too. Uh -huh. Like you should be putting out, uh, you should be putting out uh, like just a refrigerator. Right? Songbook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, it's a songbook. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So it's, it, yeah, it's it, it's not, you're not doing it the standard way, which is what I love. And you don't see enough of, yeah, I don't see enough of what you're doing in, oh, okay. in, in, maybe it's, maybe it's less driven by like, um, standard kind of, uh, motivation. Well, like, I don't know what your motivation is. Is My motivation it, is to like, you know, to, to be uplifting and be uplifted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's my, I, I just want to be with people. Yeah. The, you know, we, we're out here, we are in this world asking, you know, Palestinians and Jews and everybody to get along in this world. And yeah. if, if the one place I, I feel like I actually am at home is, and where I can meet that peace in this world is playing music. 
and, it comes and out. you know it's the it's the kind of it's the place where you know the people that I hang out with the where they really shine and and I feel like I get to be in that kind of that kind of nice light which is and share it with people and you you wrote a book on conducting sure um and can you talk a little bit about what education means in in your uh sure in your world in 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 what you do musically yeah it's huge actually like the i've i've always been teaching not always i spent a good chunk of time teaching when I was younger and I really enjoyed it. And then I had a, a, a series of time where I felt like I had to go off and learn for years. And, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't feel like I, I was uh, ready to, to share or, or I didn't even know what it was, but I wasn't quite ready. And then one day I had this feeling, oh, I'm ready to open my heart and I think I'm ready to, to listen. Mm. And uh, so I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll put out the word, I'll put out the feeling. And so I started putting out the word about teaching privately Mm -hmm. and uh and it came back and people started and i and i I just felt like what i'm interested in is going on an adventure investigation if you don't know it why don't we learn it together if i do know it i'll show it to you if you know it show it to me maybe i can put a different spin on it with you we can we can grow that plant so that's on a private angle and on a larger angle, working in workshops and being with people, what in, what started was, started in the rheostatics actually, as as with the large list. The large list started in the rheostatics because we had so many tunes, okay. and I didn't want to get boxed in, and it was a it was a bit of a power move on my side. I said I don't want to fucking. Play. You drove that? Yeah, yeah I don't want okay. I don't want to play uh, I don't want to play set lists. Every band does that. Yeah, they, like learn ten tunes and go out and play them into the ground. It's like you know, right. you know your songs. Do you always drink your milk before you eat your meat? Like, uh, figure it out. There's a lot of lot of options here. We can, we yeah. Can, you know, you can take your socks off first if you want. So, uh, <laughs> so we did, and then, uh, and that really inspired me. And actually, the Rio Stacks, we had a huge community, and that inspired me too. And when I kind of grew out of what we were doing musically there, and I wanted to pursue things on my own in a wider kind of context through the woodchoppers and and other things carried that with me and then the idea of conducting started from the rheostatics because we we improvised a lot live with our tunes that were heavily structured yeah and uh i was inspired by frank zappa the idea of uh, shifting fields and being able to turn on a dime mm. you know i love love duke ellington and mingus uh big band and people like that who weren't afraid of kind of uh really shifting things up and i loved the excitement of of uh encouraging people on i remember reading uh about sax player uh, saxophonist paul gonzalez playing mm. famous 27 choruses at newport with duke ellington and which is on that album duke ellington at newport mm. and uh everybody in the band clapped behind god gonzalez and it and it drove this tune it's just a sax solo that goes on forever man like you could have built a jet plane in time by the time that guy was finished but it never got boring because the band was with him and I thought that's the kind of band I want to be in, and can turn on a dime. And so I started experimenting with it, and and then where it really started to come to fruition, all the conducting stuff was inside the woodchoppers because we, we were playing f- free improvisation, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't mean like just New York Sonny Murray style. I mean we were just playing whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, there were some people I call like uh, light switches. They're light switches. They're on. They're never going to stop. Okay. 
And that's, the, that's their style. That's their style. And the stuff coming out of them, phenomenal. Okay. And there are people who who are like accompanists and, and interjectors and, and smooth along and like would bring go around the stones and the water keep flowing and, uh, you know, and then bump into the kinks and get boinging like springs. And then the next thing you know, they're beetling it all the way down the road. But uh, the, the, uh, the light switches sometimes would get tiring. So I started dimming the switches, mm-hmm. and I started shutting off the switches, and then turning them on with conducting. And those light switches, when you dim them, or you particularly when you turn them off and on inside a context, can be like lighting off an explosion. Yeah. All of a sudden, these people start. And what what ended up happening was, and I I don't mean to sound. I don't need. Well, I'm just gonna say it. Mm-hmm. What started happening was it started the people who are light switches listening, and the most important thing you can do on stage is listen and be loving, right? You listen, you hear other people talk with their instrument or, or something bubbling under, you'll catch on and all of a sudden you'll play something new. And we, what you've got in two notes is going to be sound like the best notes you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you start creating a feeling where everybody's listening because then the people who previously you may not have been listening to know you're listening and now they're going to start listening even more and you're just lifting, 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 lifting. And then all of a sudden I realized that, man, these people are brilliant. Like, listen, just off of one... One cue, the, the thing's lifting and lifting. Mm. And I thought, where can we get even more nuance? So it uh, started like talking uh, with other people about conducting and games and things. And then the next thing you know, uh, there's games and, and, and just intuitive conducting and cues. And then we get other people up inside the band to conduct and whatever they thought conducting was, just invent it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all of a sudden, things could happen. And what would happen is then... Sometimes the band needed a gear shift, and it, and I wanted it to be super drastic. So I yeah. just get up off the kit and like shift it, and so and people would really respond, and it got exciting. And uh, then it started to codify it in, 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 uh, in a little way inside my mind. It's like, yeah, these things are fun. And then some people said, yeah, these things are fun. Uh-huh. And some other people were a little jilted by it. But then after a while, it's like, well, you know. Everybody, I wanted to highlight everybody. Everybody in this band sounds great. Uh. Why should it only be somebody or three quarters of a band? What about Buddy over here who plays the bongo dongo? Let's let's hear from him. <laughs> yeah. What about what about Susie Susie Stringoff? Like she's got something going there on the Tiz Misler. Let's hear it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden joining people together and then played Cobra. Right. Ooh, Cobra. Woo. Good times. I didn't like the ad- adversarial nature of Cobra. But I liked the some of the cues and signals and where it led, and I thought I'm going to take some of that shit and put it in my my yeah. pipe and smoke it. Borrow, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. borrow mercilessly, and uh, and then you know things that just worked while well, you keep them going, and then just keep adding and subtracting. And then I met Doug Friesen, and we started talking about this stuff, and it's like, hey Doug, like let's. Mm-hmm. We started playing games. We started trading games. You know, like Marie for games, and then all these great people. Like you know, I'm talking about standing on the shoulders of greats who who were like improvising masters, mm. and you know, uh, William Parker and people like this. Mm. And, you know, yourself, man. Like all kinds of friends that we know. Had great ideas. It's like you ever tried this one? It goes like it's this is the game. It's called it's called Smaniggle, and we're gonna play Smaniggle. It's like yeah, good. And then you don't have to tell people you're playing Smaniggle, but you just go Smaniggle with your hand, and for some reason the band goes Smaniggle. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what ended up, I found what ended up happening was after a while, we could just play. The band was such good listeners and, and had been tickled in a way that they knew they could open the box as big as they want, that they didn't need to snun miggle anymore. 
could actually be emanating from anybody. And then once in a while, get up and conduct, and it's like, bingo bungo, done. Yeah. Like, exciting. And then one time I was working out west with the one Yellow Rabbit theater people, or a bunch oh, yeah. of people from that crew who were in another theater company. And uh, they had me in doing workshops, and on the way home on the airplane, it was so I was so inspired by these these folks. They were mm-hmm. so amazing, particularly uh, uh, my my friend Pete Muller uh, from the Chris Demir and the Crack Band, and uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I wrote the whole book on the plane flight on the way back, and then uh, started laying it out. So then then put out the book. Wow, Chris Demir. Uh, uh, Chris Chris Demeanor, okay. Chris Demeanor and the crack band, but the guy who really turned my crank, and Chris is amazing, by yeah. the way, was Peter Mahler. He just he just kept egging me on. He was a crazy imp. And, uh, and you yeah, did, you I, did the book. You did the, wrote, wrote the conducting book. It's beautiful, too. As, Thanks, as, man. Uh, uh, you know, it, it really works. It really works. And do you still use it a lot today in the classroom yeah, as, a, as I, a, just a, a go-to? Definitely. Like yeah. I'll, when I'm running workshops, okay. I'll, I'll dig with me and open it up. And it's like, oh, yeah, that thick. It's good. It works. Yeah. And, and then give them away. Get them to the kids. Get them in the kids' hands, friends. When you got music, get yeah. it in the folks' hands. and uh, Or whatever it is related to music. Give it away if you have to. But yeah. give it away with respectfully, meaning don't toss it. It's like, here, hand it. And it gently and 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 lovingly. This is a book. I, read. I think you'd really like it. And then people will respond. And I've only ever had one person be negative. I will not say that person's name. No, don't famous improviser. Oh, don't I waste just, your time. I just feel like stroking him on the shoulder and yeah. giving him a kiss. Like, hey, yeah. buddy, it, life's not so bad. Anyways, but uh, that aside, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't know if I've even got even near answering your question. Yes, improvisation, conducting in workshops, use it all the time. Give it to kids. When you're when you're working with folks mm. of uh, any age, show them, and then get them to run it. Give them ownership of what what you're showing. You give a person ownership, and you get them to teach it back to you by mm-hmm. showing that they are excited, even if they only get a fraction of it. It's the same thing when you're showing people tunes. Trust them. There's going to be some people in the band who are going to read the stuff down the paper. There's some people who cannot read a thing, but they got great ears. This is yeah. the Mingus model. Yeah, totally the Mingus model. What do you mean by that? I Ming- don't know it. Ming- know. Mingus's model was he was going to he worked with people who could like read anything you throw in front of them. Yeah. People who just played by ear. Oh yeah. And then you listen to what happens there. They 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 balance each other out because the burrs that you get from somebody who's like who's like picking it up on the fly creates the funk and the person who's like leading and maybe maybe like pushing the buttons melodically all of a sudden they they can they can join and then they can start to read each other and then they start to understand how melody and chords work and how this writer's gonna write and they can kind of almost intuit it and then you you create this excitement in a band and it and trust so hmm. ergo when when you're with a work in a workshop situation trust yeah give it to people if they get a fraction of it they're going to create something exciting and when their peers see them do it they will feel liberated enough in many cases to want to do it themselves and or to at least cheer them on and make it go through the roof when you're working in a classroom with a teacher you get the teacher to be part of the band and to be to be um to be the to be the example a lot of times and then that lights up people like you wouldn't believe because they're seeing their teacher being vulnerable right and their friends being vulnerable when they're in that position and their friends being strong 
and their friends being something they never, and their teacher being something that they've never seen before. And all of a sudden, you, you've lit up people. And somebody you think isn't getting, isn't getting it, you may, you know, if you project onto people and you think these things, you're looking at a class and reading the class like you're reading a room in a gig. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm speaking about mm-hmm. like in my mm-hmm. mind. Don't. That person may be having the epiphany of their life and it may show up five nice years one. later. Nice one. No, that's really good. To, I'm, I'm learning a lot here. Just, just listening to that kind of... When you... When, you, I, I admire the same kind of courage that you show in a classroom as I admire what you show on stage oh, in thanks. terms of the confidence and also your ability to believe in the folks that sometimes probably don't. Like, you're a very bold character in a classroom or on stage. Sure. But, and so am I. But yeah, it's, definitely. Uh, you know, and, and I often think, okay, good. Like, that, that's what courage looks like. It's, it's just bold and you project. And no, you know what? I've seen... The most kind of soft-spoken, confident. It's like, damn, man, I want to be that. Yeah. There, there are many ways to get there. And, yeah. and your idea of also leaving a little nugget that you're planting a seed in someone's mind. Mm-hmm. And it's going to bloom five years later. It kind of makes you more responsible wherever the fuck you are on stage, on yeah. the bus. Right? That's a good way to look at it. That makes I don't, sense. Yeah. Sure. I, I, like, I love the idea of small victories. Yeah. You know, when you're working with people, it's like doesn't have to be the big boom right right you know, right although there may be this kind of exciting kind of like bouncing and chaotic ball going around that that at the time it, yeah if you just get some of it and and uh and acknowledge it oh man that was fun mm-hmm. and and not uh put too much this may sound strange but just like giving praise for people for the work, working hard and being respectful is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. there's some, I mean, in a classroom, it's so difficult in some ways to read a room, as you all know, that uh, I try to treat it, try to read it to the point where it feels like a person. And, and where we, and hopefully I feel like I'm with that person. I'm in that person's brain. And where we're, we're, we're amping up the ability to, be open and having a, a flexible sense of humor and joy about what we're doing. Nice. And, and, uh, and praising the idea of people's courage and respect and work and not worrying about, not codifying, or sorry, not, uh, not judging. That was good. That was bad. That was good. That was bad. Oh, that's okay. Oh, there's oh, that a lot of that. You know, when people sometimes yeah, they yeah. catch, you catch their language, oh, that didn't work. Uh-huh. Fuck that. Don't say that stuff. <laughs> if anything, just dovetail, dovetail, or find where things work. I love education. I love working with people. I love the idea of, again, investigating. Let's investigate. We've all got. We're all learners work. together. Yeah, yeah no I'm matter. a lifelong yeah, learner. Yeah, as yeah, you guys, yeah, you guys yeah, are. You know, yeah. we're gonna learn something at every mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And the and the ecstatic journey, which is the same ecstatic journey you take when you wake up, you know, to the moment you drop on you know on any given day. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. You're with the day, and on a you know, and when it comes to touring or being in you know an educational experience, hopefully it's all commiserate. It's all this, it's all that it's all that same ball just kind of floating this light around, and uh, inside the struggles and the the questions, there's this there's this beam that's continually shining of of uh, there's some there's a joyousness like okay we want to go there together because it really does bring people together, and. Um, and it, it can make a huge difference for any of us. And 
that that's what I'm shooting for. Wait, with that, sorry, I'm, I'm going on. What? Uh, hang on a sec. What? Uh, what was the best gig you ever played? The next gig. Yes. Wow. Look at that. Two word answer. <laughs> the next gig. Two words. Um, and what are you working on right now, David Clark? Boo. Yeah. Good times. We don't have enough time for it, do uh, we? Well, do we? Today, I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're, we're cool. rolling real, real well. Today uh, I'm working. Today we're, we're. I've got a new record coming out with the Witchhead Orchestra called Get, Guest Book. It'll be out in the fall. Okay. We're working on it uh, with 12 guest vocalists. Today uh, we were working with uh, Ron Sexsmith. Okay. And uh, a song, the song that inspired the project. I wrote okay. the song called Starry Eyed. And every time I heard it, I thought, man, I'd love Ron Sexsmith to sing. It sounds like Ron. I know Ron. He's a nice guy. I asked him, and he said, oh, this was months back. I, yeah. Like months and months back, I asked him. I said, hey, on an email, I said, hey, Ron, would you be interested in uh, singing this song? And I sent it to him, and he said, well, you're like, um, free Wednesday. And I, and I thought, oh, my God, like, <laughs> he wants to do that. It's like, And I wrote him back, and I, th- I was thinking, like, months down the line, man. And uh, <laughs> That's charming, though. So then I did, get... a, I did a crazy tap dance and, uh, and thought, okay, let's make a record. And I, then I thought of songs that I would like to record. And who did, who did these songs call? And the people that these songs called, it's like, oh yeah, that one's work work with Sarah Harmer, and so the different people and these songs called different friends, huh. and uh, and the last song is calling uh, friendly Rich Marcella, and he is going to be singing. It. It's called Digital Blues. Digital Blues. They called his name this week. Yeah. They called his name this week. Wow. And uh, that record I'm working on. <laughs> Honored. And it's exciting. Got another record called Brass Band. It's sitting in the can, and I got to figure out how to get that out. Playing okay. with all kinds of people all the time and uh, writing, I, just trying to you know trying to keep the bolts screwed on. You know, the, I've got a I've got I'm a I live like a king. Yeah, I've got a, a a beautiful partner who's incredibly brilliant, who's working on her MA and teaching at the same time. Uh-huh. She's an inspiring, uh, well, phenomenal person. Of course, I adore her and love her with all my heart. That's my wife and Miss Anne and my daughter, who's just started her first year of university. These people, wow. these people keep me. Uh, keep me in the game man otherwise i'd be spinning off my axes more than i am now and uh amazing where's she at where's she's, she at, at, she's at ocad in design oh, wow. yeah, design and fabric work wow. and she's a brilliant person and uh the best thing i ever did in my life uh was uh have a child with my wife huh and Think uh of beauty <laughs> yeah man every and and i heard a person talking on the cbc today talking about uh having kids or not having kids and uh-huh. and i've got no comment negative or negative about people who do or don't have kids it's like the world doesn't need everybody to have kids because if everybody in the world had kids we have so many people we'd we'd be the world would disappear <laughs> yeah, yeah but i had kid yeah and, and it was came from a great epiphany the greatest epiphany of my life and uh uh the uh person on the radio said well people say well you know it's uh i've i've never regretted a moment and 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 uh that they wouldn't trade anything for it again, and 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 the person said, "That's an intel. That's a that that that's a that's a kind of an insulting intellectual intellectualization." And but I was washing the dishes, and I thought, "They are the eighteen and a half greatest years of my life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trade them for anything mm-hmm. else, and I don't regret any of it." And I found I found I felt just a twinge of sadness for that person thinking that thought because i actually don't think those thoughts mm-hmm. and and uh, as i don't think i've wasted a moment of time sitting with you gentlemen here mm-hmm. yeah right like, on. i want to keep gold. going 
Oh, man. Oh, yeah. We know we're going to. We haven't even scratched the surface. Jesus. I, sorry. I, that, that, that's, that's where we're going. Uh, I can't even remember what the question was other than the fact that I, I live like a king. And it's, well, no, it was, what, it was what are you up to? What am I up to, man? I'm, up, I'm, I'm trying it. to live life, man. I'm, I'm, going, I'm on the back half now, friends. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going on my 50th year. And, uh, but that, that seems to yeah. me like it's been a, you and I have spoken over many a luncheon. Yeah. And I, it seems to me like that, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier, which okay. is I think you've hit your, your stride when I get to like, how do you want to age? I feel like you've, you've broken it open. Like I look at the music industry and I don't see, like I see boredom from some people. Like yeah. they, they're only following a bit of a formula and I think you've got like severe focus and I don't know where it's coming from. It, it could be age. Could Is be. It, I don't know. I think it's a function you, of it. It's yeah. Like, like, how much time do you got on the planet? Right. You know, when you hear people saying they're bored, man, that's, holy shit, that's a, that's a statement. That is tragic. Sure. I am, I am never, and, and, and yeah. this isn't a statement, uh, uh, this is like a positive negative statement. I am never going to get done the things I want to do in this life. I am going to get done things. Yeah. I'm going to get do things, and it'll be amazing. I hope to go to my grave thinking, I, okay, I'm ready to do... Uh. <laughs> exactly. No, that, that'll be the end of the podcast, actually. <laughs> I'm right there. We'll just... Yeah. Um, man, I'd love to talk to you about... I'd love to get the rush. There's so many fucking stories you've told me over the years about like recording with Neil Peart sure, yeah. that are just amazing stories but uh, if you can do it I would... I'm, I'm bringing I'll, I'll try to oh. I'll try to uh, do Johnny Pracy it down and with a... like that must have been an, an unbelievable experience oh my god come on <laughs> right man you've been in a room with Neil Peart drumming uh, so what's yeah? the story well what's, what's the I'll story tell you what there? the story is <laughs> down down but I don't yeah Ladies and gentlemen, the press on the room. And how about this one? You know, or, it's like, uh, you know, from the first record to the next record, man. Yeah, when yeah. I was a kid, those guys made it seem possible. They're from my hometown. I love them. Yeah. Right? I, when they'd get interviewed on Q107, I thought I'd go out of my mind hearing Getty Lee talk. I couldn't believe it. He was human. Look at this guy. You know, he's the, look at that crazy hair, man. Listen to, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, the, the first live Rush album, when I when we play that record, it's like a triple gatefold. Holy shit. Look at those pictures. It was shiny. They had big drums, man. They had, like, everything going on. And I loved all the jokes. I loved their humor. Yes. And I liked, I liked that they... Uh, for some reason, they spoke to me, and 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 and, uh, and it was just super exciting. It's all I wanted to be, man. Right. And my parents, bless their souls, they never once complained when I put those records on and like shook the house. Yeah. I would listen to yeah. every yeah. record one after the other. Yes. And then when I uh, when I went to see them in concert in grade seven on the on a farewell to Kings. Yeah. Yes. Come on. Sitting in the blues. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm here. I was there with Gordy Hanna. Gordy Hanna. Steve Halliday. Steve Halliday. Steve Halliday used to walk around his house lighting matches and throwing them on the rug. 
He was a little then like with a flamethrower with the, the with the paint can. Was yeah. like, we, we, okay. You know, I don't know where Steve is, but yeah. fuck, he looked like Hollis Cooper. Anyways, we were at the concert, and all of a sudden, you know, I was like, "Yeah, okay, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it." And then it went dark. Wow. And then I'm like, everybody lit up their joints because that's what adults yeah, did. Right. And uh, we were sitting in the back, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> All the the Klieg lights go on white, poof, and it was like down, 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 down. down. That was down, it, down. man. <laughs> that was it. But okay, I've I've kind of <laughs> had that too. But now you take all that energy. Sorry, I got, I got, and and you're in the fucking room with the guy that brought that to life oh man sorry i got i got way lady you can that was edit, awesome you can are you kidding me when I, I i just dreamt every night i had pictures of them over my over my sure. bed and i listened sure. to them nonstop when i thought i got and i would dream of of like the the day that i get to sit in i was gonna play drums with rush because neil wasn't feeling good and he called me up he's called up dave you know you, you could just sit in on the on the, on the so, gig tonight yeah. Like, yeah i'm gonna do that man <laughs> and it was like i can't believe it and then all my life it's like rush rush it's like everything man i go to all the concerts i'd see them play it was phenomenal i was like hey, man these i love these guys and all their jokes and and it so just good. seems so the big thing about it is it seems so friendly and loving yeah and yes. and uh and then uh sctv a, you know i couldn't it's like, believe yeah. it i couldn't yeah. believe it like they, they yeah. were speaking my lingo mm. and at the same time like loving those guys i was loving the sex pistols you know i love nana muscuri i like the bgs you know i like yeah. barbara streisand i loved led zeppelin sure acdc i love like you know uh you know i started loving the dead kennedys it didn't matter like it was all just music bob marley willie nelson it didn't yeah. matter like, like just music and uh but those guys, man, they were a through line, and then all of a sudden, I was in playing with the Real Statics, and we had a little little record dealy dealy dealio, and we were making our our, our record, and and uh, the management company uh, said, "Hey, do you want to see if we call up Neil Peart?" I said, "No, no, no." Uh, so I thought I couldn't believe it. Like, no, 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 don't do that. And and then then, then like uh, like a week or two later, the management company said, "Hey, Neil's coming to record with you." Unreal. And it's like what? And. Uh, we reset. So we were at, at uh, Reaction Studios, just on McGee Street over here, at uh, owned by uh, Sweet Orman Joven, and uh, who's best friends with Getty now. They they're like uh, those guys. They go riding bikes together all the time. Wow. And uh, Orman's a, a beautiful person. Anyways, uh, I sat on my drums in the room. The door opened, and I just about pat fainted. But it wasn't oh, it wasn't man. Neil. It was uh, it was uh, <laughs> Ed Robinson from the Baronic Ladies, who's a sweetheart and a mighty fine drummer, by the way. And uh, he said, "How you doing?" I said, oh, "Yeah, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great." And uh, and then Neil walked in the room with his kid, and he was just the nicest guy. Yeah. He treated me like I was his little brother, with and his peer at the same time, like with such gentle kindness uh-huh. and respect. And he was excited. He like said, "Oh," he said, "Oh, well, there's a." There. Well, there's, that's how the, the junior Tony Williams gets that sound. Oh, that's what you're looking at, because he was surprised by how I set up my drums. Okay. And he set up his yellow Gretsch uh, drum kit beside me and started talking about, like, I was thinking of taking some lessons, and I'm thinking, yeah. wow, man, this guy's taking lessons. Like, he's played on a couple of records. Woo, that was inspiring. I thought, like, Neil Burton needs to take lessons? I'm digging that. And I said, oh, man, I used to... Maybe talk to my teacher, Jim Blackley. He's great. He's a swinging guy. And he said, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out my left foot. I thought, this is great. And then he deigned to play. Like He said, yeah, man, like just tell me what you want to do. And I played him this drum piece I'd written. Okay. And, and that had this poetry called Guns on top of it that I'd written. And holy jumping. 
we played it together and it was like I, I'd never been in a room with anybody who played drums like that oh. it was like stadium wow. rock volume wow and exciting man every note it was it was like picture perfect clarity with like the, you just had this thing man it's yeah. like that's how you play the drums <laughs> I'm doing that and he just was, he said, you do you do your thing, Dave. I figured it out. And then he said, how about we try this? And I said, yeah. And I said, how about we try this? And he said, yeah. And we just like got excited together playing these drums. I was like, yeah, this is what I do with my friends. Oh, yeah, this guy's my friend now. Holy jumping. <laughs> what the hell? I'm playing drums with Neil Peart. And then like I look up and <laughs> there's a, there was an audience of guys and, and folks in the control room and and the uh, and, and the engineer Mike Phillip he he has uh, I, we got headphones on yeah, and yeah. he is he is the uh, Mike Phillips yeah Mike Phillips he has the uh, the talkback button pushed down by mistake and he hears and I hear Tyler Tyler Stewart go yeah Dave looks like he's shitting his pants out there <laughs> and I just said the over man I'm not shitting my pants but I edit and then Neil started to laugh and then we we recorded and while we were recording man. It was like some other person took me over, and okay, I, I okay. got through that thing because yeah. it was like the high. It was one of the highest highs of my life. I wow. could not believe it. It was like somebody <laughs> said, "Hey man, go surf that wave in Hawaii." Like, like that yeah. twenty foot curl. It was like I'm going down that fucking wave now. <laughs> Boom! Let's go through it, man. And it was so exciting when we finished it. it I couldn't e- like I couldn't even register. And then, and then we uh, we hung out and we just had a good time. And Neil bought Neil bought all the pizza and stuff. And he said, "Man, this is great. I love it." And yeah. we, he said, "I said you want to play Tracy Parker's? We'll like play some tambourines." And he said, "Yeah." And then we played some other bongo bingo bongo stuff on the record. Wow. We hung out. He knew the indie bands that were playing around town. He was totally tapped was, into what was going that's on. That's what I thought was so cool. Like one of the I think it's counterparts. He's wearing a real static shirt. Yeah, like, man. Like all posing. I'm like. That's got to be the coolest fucking thing ever. Imagine if you're in that band, you, <laughs> and Neil yeah. Pierce wearing your fucking band shirt. I saw a modern drummer wearing that shirt. I thought, uh, that's it, man. I can hang up my boots yep. now. He's you're done. This is the afterlife. That's it. I'm looking it's... At this. After this, it's all gravy. And and I got to tell you, I, I can barely tell that story with, like, I, I'm the reason I'm being even louder and yes, more than, yes. I, than now is because it's so exciting. Because <laughs> I'm trying not to cry. I'm cry. I'm gonna cry. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's an un- most people dream of that. I'm telling you, man. Oh yeah, right. I mean, oh it's, yeah. It's, like uh, it is. Beyond. I can't believe you had known I was a fucking rush geek for years. <laughs> he only told me this story like six months ago over wow. lunch. I can't believe you uh, held that uh, one back. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. And by the way, I've got this. Uh. In my experience, <laughs> I can tell you, I don't have that. I, you know everything about me that you need to know. That is an unbelievable story. But yeah. it's like with that terrifying thing where, like, your 13, 14, 15 year old, like, high Idol. dreams yes. are, like, crashing in front of your face. Like, it's happening now. Oh, yeah. And it, you're, I, I don't know. I, it's a good story. Oh, the, the, <laughs> you know, I just felt like the goddesses came down and, and, yeah. and kissed me with, with gold at that day because, like, that day changed my life and and uh you know like every day does but holy shit that day really i want to talk about the next day though like where the next day did you get up like head off the pillow like (laughs) wow Uh, i fell on my head how many days did the afterglow days fucking years yeah he's still beaming right here there are times there are times when i look back at that and i'm not generally a person who who, like spends time reminiscing like sure like all the time like because I have such a beautiful life, and like, like this is pretty dandy fine what we're doing here now. Yeah, I was like it's uh, okay by me. But uh, 
<laughs> Boy, when I look back at that one, I just can't believe it. It's like those times, like, did I actually, you know, did I actually go there with yeah. that person? Did we say that? Because it was unreal. It was sublime. And, and it was so much fun. And then, you know, there was a whole bunch of other stuff that, that came out of that hanging out here and there and going backstage and, and, and going to Neil's place and wow. all kinds of stuff. But I am eternally indebted to that band and I have deep respect and love for them. And I will for the rest of my life. Right on, man. Well, I, I, we, we have some dinner to eat. I got to buy you dinner. So I think that <laughs> you can't top the way we just I, ended this thing. I think there'll have to just be a part two. Yeah. Yeah, at some point there will be. At sure. some point there will, there will always be a part two. Yeah. I, I don't know where where when this is going to be broadcast, but, uh, uh, you know, people need to hear you. Whoever you are, they need to hear you. Mm-hmm. The world is waiting. You know, and and you just never know what it's going to do. You mm. never know. Mm-hmm. You just might... This might turn the corner for somebody. So if you, I say to anybody, yeah, get playing. You know, you're in the basement. Figure it out. You, you got just. Don't let anybody turn you down. Don't let your brain turn you down. Get out there and play. One person solo, fine. Two people band. You got a comb and a kazoo. That's a band. Yeah. Just start. You got something to say? Say it. We're to- waiting. To learn more about Dave Clark's music, you visit www.woodshed.ca. To learn more about the Woodshed Orchestra, go to www.seethemlive.com. We'll have to look it up. I'm pretty sure it's woodshedorchestra.com, <laughs> but you got to see the band live. Yeah, yeah. Like, Come on out and see his friends. Come on down, <laughs> friends. Come on down to the show. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm the guy with the big head like a pumpkin and a set of uh, glasses on. I'll give you a hug if you're nice. Thank you for your time and your wisdom, my friend. Thank you for your kindness, Rich. You know I love you. Dave Clark, we love you too. And uh, we hope to have you back here real soon for part two. Uh, visit our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash industry tactics. And we'll be back here next time with my good friend Gordon Shawcross. Goodbye, friends. Yeah.